name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I come to you with uh, greetings, greetings from Trinity School for Ministry, uh, from the dean and faculty, staff, and students. This diocese has long, have many, many friends have been associated with Trinity, and we pray for you particularly at this time with all that's going on in the diocese. Um, also, I bring greetings from Corey Prescott, who will be the assistant who comes in the summer. Uh, when Corey heard that I was coming this weekend, uh, John and I have had a, a budding friendship over the past year. He heard I'd be around and invited me and told Corey. Corey grabbed me in the hall and with grinning from ear to ear. He said, I've been called. Uh, let me tell you, folks, you have got the pick of the, the, pick of the pups. <laughs> this guy, this guy is, he's, he's smart, he's godly, he's gentle, he's pastoral, and a good preacher. So bear with me today. Um, but he, um, he, and he's got a wonderful family. Anyway, he grabbed me, he was so excited, uh, because he had, he had options. Um, so anyway, just uh, glad to be here. I bring greetings. Um, today I want to preach on Psalm 1. Uh, I love the Psalms. I live in the Psalms. And if you keep the daily office, you pray the Psalms through. Every two months, you pray all of the Psalms uh, and read basically the whole Bible in the course of a year. So that has become such a pattern for me that the Psalms have given me images. The Psalms have given me language to speak with. And so anytime I can, I always grab the Psalms to preach on. One of the reasons I love the Psalms so much is that the Psalms... Um, take on the range of what it is to be human. Because the psalmist, uh, most of them are written by David, but some psalms are written by others. The psalmist have the range from fierce anger to anxiety, to tremendous fear, to despair and depression, to, to exultant joy, to intimate love of God. And so it gives the whole range of what it is to be human before God. So what it says to me is I'm allowed to be human. I don't have to be superhuman. I don't have to be super spiritual. When I come to God, I can be myself. And the Psalms give voice to that. So I want to share with you about, uh, about today's Psalm, Psalm 1. And if you noticed, all of the scriptures read this morning, from Jeremiah to the Psalm to uh, the Gospel, have this theme of cursing and blessing. Cursed and blessed. The one who's blessed is the one who trusts God. The one who's cursed is the one who doesn't trust God. And it's not like as if the cursed part is because God is some fierce, mean, whatever. It's that God is laying out for us a blessed life. Here is, here is where there's blessing. Here is where there's safety. Here is where the fullness of my kingdom can come in your life. And some people just don't want it. They'd rather have their own way. So David writes this psalm, and the way I see it, Psalm 1 is really the prologue or the preface to the book of Psalms. It's, it sets up what the book of Psalms is all, all about. Um, like when you read a novel, there might be a preface that says, here's a little bit of background info that you kind of need before we get into it. Well, um, when David lays this out, what he's saying is, blessed. This is the purpose of your praying the Psalms and engaging with God. And um, the, the, we hear the, the word blessed in both the Jeremiah passage and the gospel passage, but the 1979 prayer book translated the word happy, which is not a bad translation. It misses some of the things that, that the word means. I'm a seminary prophet. I'm going to give you some Hebrew. Sorry. I, they tell me never to do this, but I do it anyway. I'm, I'm um, Ashra. 
Ashra Haish. How did I know that? <laughs> um, blessed the man, blessed the one, not men, but blessed the, the person who is mature um, in God. Blessed the one, which could mean fulfilled, it could mean joyful, it could mean uh, happy, it could mean any number of things, and all of that is part of the blessed life. Well, David starts the psalm almost like putting that out. This is what the psalms are about, the blessed life. Um, when, If you're ever in a contest or if you've ever watched a contest, they always hold out at the very beginning, this is the prize. This is the prize, this is the title, this is the belt, this is the trophy that you will win if you win this contest. And of course, they give you $5 million for it, too. <laughs> Welcome to modern America. But the, the prize is out there, so you know what you're contending for. And David starts the book of Psalms by saying, here's what you're contending for. The blessed life, the life blessed by God. And so he starts the psalm in Psalm 1. I'm just going to walk through line by line. The way this psalm works is, is there, it breaks into two chunks. The first half is about the blessed one, and the second half is about the cursed one. But you'll notice there's quite a difference between the two, not only in who's blessed and who's cursed, but David kind of makes light. The tone changes in the second half. So it's kind of like, look, really, you want to go for that? This is what we're aiming for. So let's go line by line. Blessed are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of the scornful. The one who's blessed has not chosen to go to the world to ask the world for advice about the meaning of life. Blessed is the one who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked. It's worth noting that Adam sure did, and it went south pretty quickly. Seriously, Adam took advice from the wicked, and the result was fall and death. But David's telling us, happy are they, blessed are they, Fulfilled are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. It's worth noting that there's a progression here. It starts with walking. Huh, walking around, so give me some counsel. Tell, tell me how this works. You know, coming to the world, asking for the world to tell us the meaning of life, right? But it slows down when we linger. Hmm, tell me more. Some translations say stand. I, I come, I'm walking, and I'm trying to figure out life and trying to get advice, but I, I slow down and I linger. Tell me more. Tell me more. And then eventually it makes its way to sit in the seat of the scornful. The scornful are, are haughty and disdainful, and they make fun of everything that's not them. This is the world. This, this is me. Here's the world. It's the scornful. And the world just circulates around the scornful. And David is saying, blessed is the one who doesn't go there, who doesn't look for the meaning of life, doesn't look for advice on how to live by going to the world, by going to the wicked, by going to the sinful, and by sitting down with the scornful because you end up just like them. He counters that in verse 2 by saying, their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on it day and night. Unlike the way of the world, whom we choose to ignore, our delight is in the law of the Lord. The word law, you might have heard Torah, which refers to the first five books of the Bible. It means wisdom. It means instruction. It means catechesis. It means what the Lord teaches. It means the word of God. Their delight is in the word of God, not just the word written, absolutely, 
but also that word that God speaks into your heart about the meaning of life, about who you are in the world, about who you are to him, and the delight of, of the blessed one is in the law of the Lord. Lord, talk to me. Who am I? Who am I? I need to know what you think. And the Lord says, you are blessed. They meditate on his law day and night so that you learn to practice the presence of God in whatever we do. We're constantly coming back and say, God, what are you doing here? What, 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 what is the meaning of my day? What would you have today? Who am I at school? Who am I at work? Who am I when I go to the market? Who am I as I'm in the neighborhood? And we think and reference our lives in the light of God. That's the one who's blessed. They've disciplined themselves to practice the presence of God, to come back and study in the word of God, what are you telling me about the meaning of my life and who I am? The end result is verse 3. They're like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do, everything they do shall prosper. If you were in a Middle Eastern context, these are some very strong images, some very strong images, because uh, in a dry and weary land where there's no water, where uh, there's a lot of desert and a lot of scrub, and the sun rises, and the scrub and the grass dies right away, trees stick out. Trees go, whoa. Trees only grow where there is water, but a tree is a symbol of strength. A tree is a symbol of something that bears fruit. So the one who trusts in God, the one, the one who is blessed by God because they delight in God, because they stay with God, they inquire of God how to live, that one is like a tree strong, like a pillar of the community. Like, you know the wind is going to blow, but that thing's not going down. It's not like tumbleweed blowing through the streets. That one is strong. And why? Because they're planted by streams of water. If you're in the Middle East, wherever there's water, there is life. Well, anywhere. Wherever there's water, there's life. Where there is no water, it is stark because everything dies out. The rocks, the dust, and nothing living, at least no plant life. But a tree planted by streams of water is sinking roots way down in and drinking from a source that is hidden, that we don't see. As Jeremiah talks about tendrils going out to the water. And, and the source for the believer is actually the Holy Spirit drinking from water, streams of living water welling up from within. bearing fruit in due season, that hang in there. You're going to see good come from this. There will be fruit. And if we think about fruit, is another really strong Hebrew image. There are lots of different types of fruit in the life of faith. You've got the fruit of happiness or fulfillment that the world isn't telling me whether or not I'm happy. You're only happy in the world if you're smart enough, good-looking enough, rich enough, have the right family, have the right job, all of that, and you're really, only, you're really only useful to the world for your next purchase. Sorry to be crass. That's not the way God is. Coming to God, there's fulfillment because I don't have to live according to the, the ways of the world. So the fruit of this life of faith, grounded deeply 
in soil that is fed by streams of water is the fruit of fulfillment. People who just, have you met people that just seem to radiate happiness and joy? That's the fruit that comes from the spirit. That's another type of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The world doesn't give those things. The world doesn't give peace, not like Jesus. The world doesn't really give us love. It doesn't really love us or give us joy. That, when there's fruit like that, you know that comes from God because that's the fruit of the Spirit. There's also the fruit of good works. From God being at work in us, God starts to work through us because God's desire is to bless not only us, but to bless the world. That's what he told Abraham. I will bless you and you will bless the nations. That's God's nature. That's God's desire. It's almost like as if he can't handle himself, except for that. If you get near him, you will be blessed. And if you don't, you've taken choice into your own hands, not to come under that place of blessing and goodness. Well, the fruit of good works is that God starts to work through us because he wants to bless those around us. And so we start to see God doing things through us to bless the world. That's his design. And the last, of course, of the fruit is the fruit of lips that praise his name because he's worthy, because of his nature. His nature is good, and his nature is to bless. So those who are blessed, those who are happy, those who are fulfilled, those who are grounded in God because they trust him and they take him at his word and they delight in his word and they meditate on it day and night, they're like trees bearing fruit with leaves that don't wither, and everything they do prospers. Now, the Bible's not naive, um, as though everything is just Pollyanna. Uh, there's a lot of struggle in the Psalms, and a lot of dysfunction and struggle, and the, the wages of sin is death, and there's a lot of devastation shown in the Bible. It does not hide away from that. But what we're promised as the blessed is that all things work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose so that even the rotten stuff in life turns out good. He is so much the Lord that even bad stuff is turned to good. All the way until that picture in Revelation where there's no more hunger, no more thirst, no more tears, no more death, and God himself wipes away every tear from our eyes. That is what the life of faith is headed for. That's what he calls us to. That's what it is to be blessed, to be grounded here like a tree. No, I'm not moving because that's where I'm headed. That, folks, is not like the world. The world changes every 30 seconds. The world is fickle and moves around and just takes and absorbs everything for its own. Not God. Well, the second half we actually don't even have to spend much time because the tone of the thing changes so much, David just kind of goes, well, when you've got this being held out to you, you want that? Huh. So let's just take a look. You can see the tone changes. He, in verse 4, he says, it's not so with the wicked. They're like chaff, which blows away. It's kind of like lighter than a breath on a scale. No substance there. In the wind, gone. Poof. And... Therefore, the wicked will not stand up when judgment comes. There'll be a day of judgment. It's not God's desire. It never was. There'll be a day of judgment, and the wicked will stand there wordless because in the light of God, 
in his light, we see light, and to have no defense. It was held out to you, and you wouldn't take it. What can I do? Therefore, the wicked shall not stand up when judgment comes, nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous. Come back to verse 6, which is another substantial verse, because it says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And in, in Hebrew thinking, to know is not just cognitive, like we would think. To know means to be aware of, to experience. Because this psalm, I'm convinced, was not just David writing about himself and writing about the children of Israel. This psalm is really about Jesus, who is the blessed one, who delights in his Father's word, and who meditates day and night, who is like a tree planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season, and everything he does prospers. The, the Lord knows the way of the righteous because the Lord took on flesh and became the way, the truth, and the life. He is the righteous one, and he is the way. And when he took on flesh and blood like us, he knows the full scope of what it is to be human. Tempted in every way as we are, but without sin. And so head to head, toe to toe, skin to skin, Jesus comes like us. 100% God and 100% human at the same time. He came like us to make us like him. He came like us to redeem us. He came like us to make us fit for the kingdom of God. And we are in union. If you are in Christ, what is spoken of Jesus is spoken of you. So the words at Jesus' baptism, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased is the word that God speaks over you and me. This is my son, this is my daughter, this is my child. If you are in union with Christ, his intent is to bless you. That's his intent from the beginning. If you go all the way back to Genesis, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. That's God's nature, is to bless. There is cursing when we refuse the blessing, but it's our choice. So what's being held out to us is that prize. And the contest is so worth it. That prize of blessedness. That the one who, who struggles and fights and stays in it to the end, by my power, by my work in you, by the Holy Spirit, you win everlasting life, a crown of life that Revelation talks about. The prize is being helped out to us who trust in the Lord. Blessedness. Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else is going to be added to it. There is not one thing that God will leave out of the picture. If we pursue him, his intent is to bless. And those of us who trust in Jesus find that that's the way it is. Because the psalm, folks, isn't just about David or just about the children of Israel, or just about Jesus. This psalm is about you and me. And then we come to that place in Revelation 7, in Revelation 21, where there is no more hunger, no more thirst. Every tongue, tribe, and nation before the throne of God. So there's, there's social equality. There is um, no more death, no more sighing, no more pain, no more sorrow. God himself wipes away every tear. From where we are now, all the way to there, it's God's intent 
to bring us into the fullness of his blessing, then the only proper response that's left will be um, the close of the Psalms. Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150. I'm going to recite all of those for you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the end of the Psalms comes down to this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All the earth, praise the Lord. Snow and wind, praise the Lord. All you beasts, praise the Lord. All you heavenly hosts, praise the Lord. All you his saints, praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Because he's good. And when we see him face to face, you will know the fullness of blessedness, which begins now and only increases as we go forward. Let's close with a prayer. O oh God, the author of all good things, replenish us, we pray, with the grace that you give, that our will may be ever directed to your law and that by your inspiration we may meditate on it day and night and so obtain the fruit of everlasting joy in your presence through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.